This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want to discover the key thinking tools of high achievers. You are now part of a small group of people who are trying to learn the ins and outs of these tools called mind models without the fluff. This podcast will give you an inside look at the daily life of a mind model coach and what he's done for the past 30 years to transform his clients so they can get six and seven figure results. Welcome to Mind Model Mastery Secrets. Now here's your host, Blair Dunkley. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to MindModelMasterySecrets.com. I'm your host, Blair Dunkley. And today we're going to do something a little bit different, a little bit special here. Tyler Devon was on the previous uh, MindModelMasterySecrets.com and uh, interview that I did. And he shared with me just a couple days ago what he wound up doing with the stuff that we went through in that interview. And I thought that would be a very cool way of exploring how mind models can and do transform people's lives. At least it did with Tyler. And I'll let him tell the story. Anyway, tell us what you started to tell me there a while ago, Tyler. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just based just on the last call alone, uh, when Blair was mentioning to me about trying to kind of not so get into the weeds, um, not get so detailed on everything. Uh, that's one thing that definitely does happen to me is I, I really get sucked into the content of something um, and really get pulled down the rabbit, uh, the rabbit hole, as it were, as they say it, um, as opposed to really taking a step back and trying to see it from uh, more of a higher level perspective as opposed to going right in. Um, and like, like me and you were talking about last night, it's, it's what's kind of kept me at this point where I haven't been able to cross 10 million a year in sales. And even though our organization has grown, um, revenue hasn't always grown with it. And it's due to limitations like this, I believe, just getting so sucked into the content and not focusing more on the process. So the other day when we did that call um, and you gave me that piece where it was, you know, focus on the process as opposed to the content, that was a big shift for me because not only was I able to now build a mental trigger around noticing when I was going that way and stepping back and pulling out, but it also enabled me to see that in others. And for example, uh, I have a super key guy on my team um, that runs a lot of the day-to-day operations. And uh, around him specifically, uh, awesome guy, really great at his job. And one of his habits he has is basically doing the work for people. Um, And he oversees probably like 12 people now, like a good third of the organization directly. Um, And so if he's out there doing everybody's job, there's only so much time in the day. There's only so far he's going to get. And so as he started talking about it, I was able to be like, hey, man, like, stop for a second. You know, I noticed this is going on. Uh, you're basically going to be doing her job for her. You know, let's get her to think. We're paying her. She's a smart girl. She's super talented. But in the way that you're working with her, you're essentially getting pulled in to do her job for her, meaning you're not going to get it out of scale out of your time. I'm not going to get scale out of your time, my time. Sorry. I'm not going to get scale out of his time. He's not going to get scale out of her time. And it's just going to be a domino effect. So I was able to now redirect him and be like, okay, how can we approach this situation differently so that she's doing her job and she's the one coming with ideas as opposed to always top down. And so it was funny because he actually rephrased it, but he never shifted again. He was asking her a question where he was going to end up doing her job for again. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to really getting her in a place where she was going to be resourceful. And so she could solve the problems and bring us ideas. And because really, 
that's such a key leverage point. You know, when you're scaling up and you're trying to grow and you're trying to help people scale their own capacity and grow that own, their own capacity, mm -hmm. doing their work for them does not solve the problem. Not but at all. causing them to get resourceful does. And and you really see it as you grow. Like when we were smaller, it wasn't a big deal. But now that we're bigger, it, it's just impossible because you will spend yep. your whole day, you know, putting out fires or trying to get things done as opposed to having perfectly smart people who you are paying for to do their jobs. And I think at the end of the day, too, it becomes more rewarding for them. Like when she came back to me and she's like, hey, this is what I was thinking about. You know, yep. I tested this. Here's the results. Like, she feels so much better about what she's doing. She does. I mean, everybody normally does. Mm -hmm. Some people want to be told, but that, like, again, it's it's shifting into that uh, skill, that's will, a, evaluation. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a whole other ball of wax. Yeah, I know, and I don't want to get into that one <laughs> right now. But, you know, that's another one we will get into sometime for the people that are listening in. And skill, will, evaluation tools are huge, mm -hmm. and the mind model around that is super simple and really clear. It helps people understand, is my, have I hired an effective employee for myself, number yeah. one? And number two, is this person still effective in their job? Yeah. And you can do some tests. And the interesting thing is when you do pair that with process versus content mind model, the way that you just did, Tyler, like, boom, you get that insight of saying, hey, hold the phone. This person isn't being very resourceful. I can shift my language, how I talk to this person, mm -hmm. and they can shift how they think. Totally. And, and it's so cool, too, because I'm effectively managing that person through a person in some respects exactly. without having to do it. Exactly correct. and As well as getting the leverage so he can do it across multiple people, not just one. Exactly. So you're actually targeting one person, but getting ripple effects throughout the entire exactly. organization just because you chose to look at your language and apply process versus content differently. Mm -hmm. And that, that is freaking huge. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's going to go a long way too. Like with just with you know, my overall goal, I'm just going to kind of put it out there because obviously you me have been talking about just yeah. becoming a better CEO yeah, exactly. um, and being able to run more things at a time and maybe not just like me, but being able to oversee and make sure the ship's heading the right way. Because one thing I've noticed is as we've grown, like the old me would have wanted to know every single piece you know, hop in there myself, get it going, but it's just not feasible. It's impossible. No, it's not. So one of the things that I teach my CEOs that are working, we're going to work on this with you as well too, is for you to keep on identifying your language pattern, mm -hmm. pattern so that you can listen to other people's language patterns and see how resourceful they are if they're stuck or resourceful and if they're stuck then how to get them unstuck. Mm -hmm. And number two, if they're resourceful, are they causing other people to be resourceful or do they need to take on the problem solving themselves so yeah. that they feel good? In other yeah. words, are they actually growing as well? So yeah. it's about leveraging up people and taking them to the next level. And that's what it's going to be all about. I'm excited for that. CEO. And yeah. it's exciting stuff. But again, it's, it's so much simpler so you can just chunk it down to pieces when you can do two things you've got a mind model 
And see, one of the key things that I was thinking about this stuff was mind models are designed mostly with compare and contrast, like um, process versus content. Everybody needs process and content, but as you figure out problems, process is actually more leverageable than content is. Mm. How you do something is more important than what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Because how you do it will determine whether or not it's effective or not, and whether or not it can grow or not, or whatever. But if it needs to change, task needs to be done. You're right, and make that change. So you've got to be able to understand where that person is. But when you're starting out, it's almost a very little bit of of process and a whole lot of content. Mm. But as you grow, you get to a tipping point pretty early on in in the uh, leveraging up of an organization, the growth of an organization, and process becomes king. Mm. And if you're dealing with yourself for personal growth, growth process is king because how you do things is far more important than what you do. Mm -hmm. So when you bear that in mind, um, we're going to spend more time um, just you and I talking about that, not necessarily right now, but I mean, leveraging you up in your growth as a CEO and how to listen to other people and pay attention. One of the things, and again, I'm, I know I'm dropping another uh, mental time bomb here, but you know, I was, I was literally dreaming about this last night. Process versus content, I thought, you know what? You need the balance formula because the balance formula takes a look at not like multiple things. It's got six things that it, you plug in to the balance formula. But the, the key information piece is around internal and externally verifiable data points. Hmm. And again, that balance between the two and how those fit. Anyway, we'll dive into that in another episode here. But again, that's the, the big, big piece that I wanted to share with you guys. So yeah. where, where do you get to take this now with your, your fellow? Um, I would say, did first of all, real change with him. Uh, we actually did, uh, when he was working with, uh, one of the mailers on the team, her revenue had been a bit down, um, when she was starting to do like, um, five, $600 a day in revenue. Mm-hmm. And now after the change, she almost like two days later, she started doing 2000 to $2,500. Wow. So it was definitely like a huge four to five shift. times growth. Yeah. Immediately. Like, Just by wow. her looking at the problem as opposed to him you know, with everything else he has to deal with, trying to figure out this one issue. So it was highly leverageable. See, mind models are so so leverageable with developing human capital. And Mm -hmm. most people squander the, they they look at the cash capital in their business, but they don't look at human capital. But human capital costs the cash, burns the cash. So if you can leverage the human capital, the thinking capacity of people, what's going on between their ears, and bring that to the bottom line with their behaviors and how they think, it's always externally verifiable. Those results make a difference. And these two specifically, like I'm so excited for them. Like they're probably two of the most excited people I'm like in the whole organization, (laughs) just because I see what they're capable of. And being able to be like, man, with the right resources, they could really go a long, long way. 
Absolutely. I mean, and then just think about being able to leverage that out to the rest yeah. of your uh, company. Absolutely. That's so huge. That is so huge. You know, uh, one thing that I'm going to tell your uh, viewers to pressure you for okay, is right. uh, the, the skill versus will evaluation tool <laughs> when hiring. I got some amazing feedback from another company who's actually uh, bigger than us. Um, he was just saying, he's like, you know, I got a lot of people in my company, but he's like, when that six o'clock rings or five o'clock rings, he's like, they're out yeah. physically and mentally. He's like, where are your guys? He's like, man, they're hitting me up all night. He's like, how do you get such hungry people? I'm like, well, there's, there's a method to the madness here. It's not all by accident. You know, it's part culture and also, you know, what we're looking for up front, which you helped us put together. So, um, definitely if you guys are looking to grow a uh, business, um, pressure, pressure, <laughs> pressure Blair for this, get this information. Cause it'll be super useful for you. Okay. <laughs> cool. It is. I, I, I don't deny it. it every <laughs> that we shared it with, they start changing their hiring practices and their follow through and how they think about employees mm. and they perceive information differently. These mind models, what can I say? They, they just work. I mean, they don't just work. <laughs> you know, guys, it took a lot of years to go through these things to figure out actually what worked and what didn't work. And I mean, it was in my first large company, my, my third company actually in my life, where I started Life Skills Colleges. And, you know, the years I put in, you know, over, well, over 20 years with Life Skills Colleges and testing these things out. So they were good for my students to start off with because I don't know if you guys know the backstory. Some of you guys may be new for the first time here, but the backstory is real brief here. I had Life Skills Colleges going for 35 years. And of that time, I was actively involved in the day-to-day -day management of that for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And my job was to keep our students alive. And that's odd thing to say, what we're threatening our students. No. Scary thing to say. It's a scary thing to say, but true, because our students were referred to by uh, social services and mental health services. And in fact, mostly mental health services. So um, about 80% of our students were potentially suicidal. And we were the last resort for them at the time, and no other agency would take them. A lot of them were blacklisted from even being admitted into uh, mental health institutions. Um, hospitals, if they slashed up, they'd be stitched up and put out on the street because wow. they were blacklisted. And that's, that's how serious it was. And that was a lot of pressure on these back then you can imagine shoulders and i just felt it and i had to have things that worked so everything that we got from the research from the government of canada uh the 42 million dollars of five years of research that was done was great but it wasn't enough and i needed to figure out how do we keep our people a lot our students alive our staff sane and not burning out every 18 months. Hmm. And that's where 90% of this stuff came from. As they say, um, you know. It, it's so crazy how it transitioned over so well to business. And it, it makes me think too of, um, I know there's some email companies out there. Uh, there was a private mastermind down in Florida one time and they said that their average email marketer only lasts 18 months. Interesting. Isn't interesting. that interesting? Exact same yeah. timeline. 
And your email marketers are lasting longer than years. 18 months. That's yeah, years. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's burnout. Yeah. It's how people burn out. And we've got programs to deal with burnout. In fact, we used to go around and teach um, in, again, some of the worst communities. I shouldn't say worst, most challenging communities. Red Deer? Uh, I'm no. joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually Native Reserves. And, um, you know, one of them was a reserve just outside of Edmonton. And back in the day in the 1980s and 1990s, their average, uh, the male life expectancy on that reserve was 32 years of age. Wow. And the number one way of, uh, number one cause of death was suicide. And unfortunately, the number one cause of death through suicide were the train tracks outside of town. And it was horrific, not only for the engineers. The engineers did not like riding up and down that thing, especially at night. They couldn't necessarily see who snuck out and laid down on the track yeah. and were killed. I mean, that was it. They were done. That's so, crazy. I mean, it, you know, when they did see them, they could never stop in time. And that yeah. was just horrific. And I remember some hearing... Too many of those horror stories. So we went in and worked on that reserve as well. And that's where the mind models, you know, mind, the mind models are, are taught in a specific way. And you and I were also talking about principles the other day. Hmm. And, Ray and Dalio's book. book. Ray, Ray Dalio's book, yeah. It's an excellent book. Don't get me wrong. It's very, very good. But he, and you said, so what's the difference here? And I go, the difference is he takes a practical but mostly academic way of naming and defining, not really labeling, but naming and defining his principles, which is great. Like it's an excellent, excellent model and way better than 99% of stuff out there. Mm -hmm. Okay, but mind models, take it from the position, most mind models like results versus goals or um, process versus content. What we're doing here is, is there are ways that the human brain, psychologists have found this stuff out, but the way that the human brain actually learns about this stuff is by compare and contrast. And if you can compare and contrast things, rather than think about it through naming something and defining it and saying what it is, that's good, but better Compare and contrast. And so most of our mind models are all based on compare and contrast because you can take a look at, at something that works well and something that works better. And it's not about things that are, are good, bad, right or wrong. It's what we want is we want to do, okay, which one is just more effective? This one is effective, but this one is more effective. So mm -hmm. we can make those comparisons. Yeah, it's and like a non-emotional, non-judgmental thing. You've already pulled it out. I mean, that's the weird thing. Whereas when you give definitions, a lot of people have their own internalized definition. Mm. Now they don't have anything to test it against. Yeah. And somebody else is just telling them a better way. Yeah. And most people hate being told. <laughs> You know, it's actually interesting, this whole conversation. So before this call, um, I was just on a call with Gabe and we were actually talking to uh, a business broker because we have an e-commerce store, does a couple million dollars a year in sales. And we were thinking about like, what if we sold this? Like, what would this actually be worth? Cool. 
And it was so interesting because what he did is he just you know picked apart the business. He wanted to know yeah. every piece. And honestly, it was the that's something I wish I did when I started um, because there's so many things he asked that if I'm like if I only would have known that I would have been prepared for that. Yeah. And the value of that would have been so much more. It's like it's kind of like this: if you have a better model, follow the better model because it's going to get you a better result. Absolutely, and that's so, how come my models work. And yeah. I had 20 years to stumble around with student groups, with people, with learning. It's longer than I've been alive. Yeah, exactly. And just, yeah. <laughs> Not really, but. <laughs> I, I get it. But, you know, seriously, when you've got to keep people alive, yeah. you've got to find out ways that work rapidly because you don't have a lot of time in a lot of cases. And you've got to give them away so that they don't perceive that you're making them change hmm. to bending them to your will. You want to cause them to choose to change. Yeah. And if you show them something that is okay here and something that is more effective over there and go, you do both, you just didn't know it and you didn't name or label either of them. Now, if you do this one and it doesn't get you really what you want and you do this one and it gets you a lot more of what you want, which one do you want? Yeah. And I mean, the answer is obvious. It's the one that you want more of. Yeah. And so, you know, but that simple compare and contrast makes learning so much hmm. simpler and dynamic because people feel the difference. I you mean, know, the other thing too, I feel like that'd be just, very... Just a second. Oh. You know, like in that call with people go back to the previous interview and watch that tape, you will see Tyler feeling the difference between process and content. Mm -hmm. All right, that's it. That was my point. Well, I was going to say too, it makes it, it puts it in a situation where people actually want to learn and want to change as opposed to like like being forced to no one likes being forced to anything yeah. me especially and you know the funny thing is before i learned this model it felt like i had to change like and nobody was forcing me to change it was just me forcing me to change yeah. and i didn't even like me for forcing me to change because <laughs> it was i found out this better way so what so yeah. it's better but when i put it in okay it is it is externally verifiable. It is better. Now, about where I'm at, is this really what I want or is this better thing better? Mm -hmm. And when I do that, when I slip up, still slip up sometimes, like after so many years, but I can get out of it much, much faster. Yeah. I wind up being able to go after what is more effective and just do that thing that is more effective. And it just feels a lot less stressful. Also, and, too, just the probability of success is there. Oh, yeah. And I spent so much time making sure that these things actually work in the real world, that it's not just somebody saying so. It's yeah. like, Jesus, these have been fire tested for, you know, 20 years. That's what I love about your stuff. And, like, uh, if anyone ever asks me, I'm like, just try it for yourself and you'll yeah. see. And if it doesn't work for you, that's fine too, but yeah. try it for yourself. Like there's always a better way to do everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, and don't so. stop testing it either. Cause sometimes mm -hmm. people have brought in more effective ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. And I go, wow, that's cool. Like that's how the question concepts got to where they were because mm -hmm. I would take it out. I'd have people rip it apart or try to. And sometimes in the early years, 
people would rip it apart and say, no, this isn't quite, this doesn't work for me. Really? No, this has to be identifiable, repeatable, and duplicatable. And with the question concepts, it has to work 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. Can't be even 80%. Yeah. That one's 100% of the time. That's awesome. Anyway, I don't need to take up any more of your time. I wanted to keep this one really quick. Here. No worries. So that's it. And um, if you've got any final parting words here or shots. No, just that I look forward to doing this again with you sometime. Absolutely. Well, my pleasure. And thank you so much, so, so much for coming back and sharing with our audience here, uh, you know, your experience with the mind models. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Please remember to subscribe and leave feedback. Do you want more mind model secrets? If so, go to mindmodelmasterysecrets.com to subscribe on iTunes.